1: cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health
0: insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com just a heads up about today's show guys i spoke to ian holloway before patrick Vieira got sucked And of course, also before Roy Hodgson returned to Crystal Palace, Ian would have been amazing on it, I'm sure. Um, But we do still talk about Palace and the relegation battle this season. Anyway, on with the show. Hello guys, welcome back to the drop-in. So pleased to be talking to you again. I wanted to just say a quick word now the dust has settled uh, and say thank you for the unbelievable weight of lovely, lovely comms we've had about our SJA award for inside the Qatar World Cup. It meant a hell of a lot to the team and to me, so thank you and thank you for supporting us. Um, You are all legends. And your award is... This episode of The Drop In with a Ramble favourite, and another one of yes, Marcus is favourite people to impersonate. Ian Holloway has had 20 years as a player and now 20 years as a manager. He's managed Bristol Rovers, QPR, Plymouth, Leicester City, Blackpool, Crystal Palace, Millwall and Grimsby Town. So what's cool about him and so interesting as well is that of course he's spanned all four tiers of the English professional game. You guys have all heard a wild Ian Holloway anecdote before. Of course you have. This is going to be packed full of them. But I think Some of how deeply we go into issues like confidence and how he really feels about management and family and the life he has now may surprise you. So here it is. Sit back and enjoy the drop-in with Ian Holloway.
2: Is it right to say you're retired from management, or are you just? Well, no, no. I'm not retired. I don't. I don't think you ever will. You know, look at Neil Warnock. He keeps coming back, but. You know, what What I've got to do is find somewhere where I can live and see my grandchildren. And and at the moment, they're all in and around Bristol. So, you know, I don't really want to work in that. I've had Bristol Rovers. I don't want Bristol City. They probably don't want me. So, uh, you know, and, and would I go back to that? Probably not, to be honest with you. I think Joey's doing a good job. So it is what it is. I'm, and I'm really excited about learning different things. I'm doing loads of stuff with the League Managers Association. As I said, I did, I did my book a few months ago and read it out. That's probably the hardest thing <laughs> for me. I, w- I was no good at school. I didn't like reading. I could speak all day, but I didn't like reading. Yeah. Um, so I've had to try and make my book sound like me. Um, and the bloke had no patience who was recording it. He, he thought he was only going to be paid for four days. It took me like three weeks. <laughs> and then every, every day for three weeks and he'd go stop no no there was no feeling in that go on go back wow do it like you're chatting and if you're trying to read it I can do you know what I mean it is difficult it's a really acquired skill to try and get your book to sound like you but anyway I did it it was good I haven't been sued so thank god for that there we go
0: fascinating (laughs) to hear you say about not being much good at school because of course not any of you have you written this book but you've because you're so famous for for your best for your lines, you know your quips and things that you come out with. Um, there's there's what two other books of you know the wit and wisdom of, of Ollie and all the stuff that you've come out with.
2: I had nothing to do with them. Somebody did them.
0: But it shows what kind of a person people think of you as being, right? The 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 things that you come out with they really get into people's minds.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. I think the was have killed me, to be honest with you. That group who used to sing about cider apples and all of that stuff and Combine Harvesters. I mean, everybody links me with that, you know? <laughs> and if I had a Scots accent, I I think I'd have been taken a little bit more seriously. But in my, in my life, I, I, I had to laugh at things. I had to not take myself too seriously. I mean, my wife had cancer. Mm. She got over it. I was told we couldn't have kids. We got over it. And we got three out of four that are deaf. So we've had to learn sign language. So life just gives you challenges the whole time. And and I had to laugh at it. And I had to uh, try and make other people laugh. That's how I coped with things, you know. Um, I've always had a bit of a temper as well. I don't like losing. I can't stand losing anything, absolutely anything, whatever it is. All my schoolmates would, would have told you I was a complete um loser because they hated playing with me do you know what i mean mm. they hated doing anything with me because i was you would get so angry and spoil it so you should see me on a golf course because i don't play it very well oh my god you're not you're supposed to behave nicely on there <laughs> i walked off once left me seven iron stuck in the fairway i got so angry with myself i smashed it in i couldn't get out
0: <laughs> so that sense of you think your humor comes from a sense of adversity like trying to take on the world
2: yeah, being, a, being the youngest child of three, I was it's quite a big gap. Uh, my mum had me when she was 31, but my brother John's nine years older than me, my sister Sue's six years older than me, so there was a big gap for me and, and I wanted attention. I wanted my dad's attention, he loved football, so I managed to be my mum's youngest, so I knew I had her around my little finger and then I went for my dad and loved football. So I, I've always had this like attention-seeking thing and and really, it was a joy. He, he made me not afraid to fail. If you don't make it, son, let it be through lack of ability rather than lack of effort. Make sure you can look at yourself in the mirror and say you tried as hard as you can. And and really, that's it, you know? Honestly, that if you ask the Bristol Rovers fans who, who, who were really great to me when I was a player there, um, they called me a workaholic fighting cop. <laughs> there you go. How about that?
0: How do you feel about the proudest that? Moment. That's, yeah. the proudest moment.
2: Yeah. It's proudest moment. Absolutely, you know, because I wanted to show those qualities and and at the end of the day, I made myself a player. I wasn't a good player. I made myself a player out of wanting it more than anyone else.
0: Can you talk to us a bit more about that then? Are you talking about training really hard? Are you talking about mentality? What did that look like when you were a player?
2: Well, when I was nine years old, I could do 100 sit-ups and 100 press-ups because I knew I had to be fitter and stronger than everybody else. And i can't do that now I, what the
0: hell can you still mate, do it mate,
2: mate I, yeah <laughs> honestly yeah yeah we i do 100 press-ups 100 sit-ups and 100 squats every day wow as well as going to the gym my absolute fruitcake. but uh, you, you got to look after yourself so but the, i i think i was obsessed i i, I didn't you know I, I wasn't just dedicated i think i was obsessed and you you also had to make sure that you know what you're good at and you do it every game. And if you can do that, it's quite simple. We need all different ingredients to make this wonderful football cake and to make your life what you want it. So you got to know what you're really good at and surround yourself by with other people with the different skills. So I was a piano carrier, put it down and let Ray Wilkins sit down and play it. That's how I look at it. And I wanted to be like them, like Glenn Odell and all that. But I couldn't because I didn't have their skill and their beautiful way of doing things. But I could play alongside them. So that was what my dad sort of taught me, you know. And and he would take me to Bristol City, take me to uh, London to watch games and say, look, there, that's that's how good they are. I believe you could do that if you keep practicing. And I think that I, I feel privileged to have had that in my life.
0: Your, so your three daughters, I don't know if our listeners will know, but they're they're deaf. And then you have a son as well who who, who hears. Who's heavily. hearing. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So that, that, I know you've talked about this before and, and fascinatingly so, but do you feel as though communicating with them really improved your ability to com- communicate with people, hearing people as well? Do you think it helped you look at it in a different way?
2: Yeah, I had to think about how to explain words to my daughters. I had to learn to horse ride myself so I could then translate for them when they were having lessons. So I had to get up on a horse to feel what it was like, what we were trying to achieve so I could explain it to them because the, the lady who was teaching them didn't know any signs. So, And they were sort of six and seven at the time. So, oh, my God, it, it's made me so different even when i'm trying to talk to one of my teams i i would learn from what i've had to explain to my daughters so you know confidence for example yeah. i look looked up the word confidence in the dictionary so i could try and explain to them i, I feel that i've had to be their their self-esteem their self-confidence their confidence drop so i come on how are you feeling you know what i mean and if they split up with their boyfriends and all of that you know come on you're you're good enough don't you worry about that so all, all confidence is, is an anticipation of a positive outcome. So you can change how you feel about something if you think differently. I've had to look at all of these things and, and you know, it, it's it's quite incredible, honestly, you know, and we, we took them on holiday once, I had a be- beautiful holiday and um, we were in the Maldives and, and the sun was setting and we were walking back to our lovely little shack and my youngest i had on my shoulders and the, uh chloe was who's a two years older than her she was walking by me and i looked at my wife and you could hear the sea just coming in the waves coming in on the shore just lapping the shore and i had a little tear in my eye and chloe went what, what's wrong and i went oh you can't hear the beautiful sound of the water coming and and licking the shore and she went yeah but can you see the diamonds dancing on the water And i looked out and you know what it was exactly what she said i hadn't seen that i was enjoying the other side of the sound but oh my god when i looked it was quite incredible she said don't worry about me i see lots more things than you do do you know what i mean i'm not missing anything it's beautiful you know so wow and all those worries i had what and they're they're carers now. They, they look after all three of my daughters. Are, are, their job is looking after other deaf, blind people mm. to make sure that their life's a little bit better. You know, um, They use their skills in that way. Um, absolutely incredible.
0: So, Ian, is that why you made some of your own players train as if they didn't have any hearing, right? This is something you did at Blackpool. Is that one of the things you were trying to convey, trying to communicate different ways of looking at things. Can you tell us about it?
2: Well, I've, I've tried to, to get over to them how lucky they are. I always have. It's a privilege to to be able to play football, um, to be fit enough to play it, to be good enough to play it. To, and then to be part of a team and then be picked is, is a privilege. You've got earn that right, you know. And I always wanted every one of them to play like a supporter would. Mm. I want you to play like a supporter would because that that's what they care about for whatever reason, their families have been born into it, whatever it is, but you should play like one of them. And I've tried everything to get it into them, how lucky they are. And I've made them train without being able to call for the ball. Cause I said, my, my daughters can't use their voice. And it's so important that you communicate with each other. I want you to stop and you're not allowed to do it. If anyone shouts or talks or lets anybody else know that's a free kick and we had a whole deaf morning. It was absolutely mental. And what that did for my team after that, when they realised he hasn't let us do that, how much did we miss it? How much harder was it? Let's make sure we communicate better. And, and, oh, dear, the difference that made to that Blackpool team was quite incredible. Now comes Jilks. Listen to that roar.
3: Listen to that roar to our right. And that's the reason why. Forty years since Blackpool were last promoted to the top flight, and they have done it again. Blackpool are in the Premier League,
0: and You spoke a bit just now about confidence as well. Is that something yes. that you? Is that something that you learned? You know, before having kids, or is this something a theory you've developed as you've gone on in your football career? Because, of course, you've you've taken teams to promotion. You've done incredibly well. Blackpool you mentioned there and, and at Palace as well they've been up in the Premier League since you took them up in 2013. No but
2: I've also taken people down as well, well. I, this is the whole point point. and you know I've done some after dinners lately and some of the comedians go well, you don't want to go on a cruise with this player because <laughs> he went to it, he when he left Bristol Rovers they went down <laughs> sounded like all my ships sank you know what I mean you won't want to go on a cruise with him but life is about experiencing both sides of it you know and and unfortunately in football it, it normally always ends in tears even the good jobs that you have they normally end in tears or you get you get booted out but it was an absolute privilege to be a manager for one minute of every one of them because all you try and do is get leave it in a better situation than it was and sometimes when you go down and you got too many players and there was too many changes you've had a good clear out and then that leaves it clean and neat for someone else to add to it to start again. And, and that's what football clubs are really, you know, that they are constantly turning. They're like a big whirlwind of, of couple of years where those players, if you give them three or four year contracts, you're in trouble because they can sit there and, you know, seven year contracts unheard of, but some, some clubs are starting to do that again. You know, those lads will be, not as hungry as they need to be so it you know and there's a two year three year cycle with most most lower league clubs and so you will get ups and downs um but without knowing how wrong something's gone i don't think you can enjoy how good something can be mm. so that's part of it
0: is that what you feel about grimsby because of course that's your most let's say you're not retired and you never retire but that's that's your most recent job and there was uh, that was to yeah. do with investment you were um, potentially putting money into I was, the I was on well. the board, yeah.
2: yeah. I was going to be on the board. And it's a bit like the men in black. You don't want to know how things are. One, one man owned it. And then we went into COVID. And then he still paid everybody. And then the season finished. We had nine games left to go. And if you look at what I'd done when I first took over, we, we added 2,000 on the gate. We started to win. We climbed halfway up the table. Um, We had another nine games left. We'd just beaten our arch rivals, which were Scunthorpe away, 2-0. And by the time we started playing again, I lost eight of that. Six of the starting 11 and two subs. I'd lost because of COVID and their contractors were run out and I wasn't allowed to re-sign any of them. So, you know, at the end of the day, they were all gone when we decided... We're gonna re-sign people, and I had to try and take what was left. And unfortunately, right, unfortunately, we were not in the relegation when I when I left. But the club's ownership was made so much more difficult for John Fenty at that time because he was forking out all the money, and the other people were in the background trying to say that, and the fans wanted them. So I'm I'm in the middle of COVID. And I didn't believe we should be still playing football because my wife had cancer years ago. And how is it possibly safe to be within two meters of someone on a football pitch and at training? It's impossible because you've got to go where the ball is and you've got to get close enough to, to, you know? So I was terrified that I was going to bring home this awful illness and give it to my wife. So none of it felt right. So we sat there one day and looked at each other. I'd had a phone call from the, the new people. So I told the owner to hang on They're trying to phone me behind your back. And are you going to sell? And yes, so I, I went, I come here to help you. So what was the point? Life's about commitment then. And, and I wanted it, but I can't recommit to someone else. I went to help John Fenty. So, you know, at the end of the day, as a manager, you're under enough pressure anyway. But to be a, manager and a director and you know what's around the corner it oh dearie me you know a manager's job is partly to push and get them to spend more than they want to to get better players in you don't want to be on that board you don't want to be comfortable like that that will never ever work because you'll underspend yeah <laughs> you, you, you'll be sat there doing the wrong thing what we've got to do is get you the best team possible and spend as much of their money as we can
0: yeah, you can't be gatekeeper and also manager,
2: is what you mean. It won't yeah. It won't work, you know? Yeah. It really won't work. But unfortunately for me, that wasn't my time. And what Grimsby have done since is quite remarkable. Fantastic. Hersty's gone back there. He, he took them down and then took them back up. And now they're having a wonderful cup run. And, and those people deserve it.
0: Do you, do you think it's fair if Grimsby Town fans feel like... A lack of trust in what happened then and and perhaps in the way it played out with you at that time do you think that's fair
2: um yeah of course it is they can feel whatever they like at the end of the day um you know i can't help, i can't this is the whole point about it you, you you can't help how someone feels and when you take a new job you try and boost it up as much as you can to get as many people wanting to watch your team and get behind your team as much as you can you know and when i chose to leave you know i'm a bristol rovers fan i had to leave bristol rovers they didn't want me anymore Mm. those fans were singing you don't know what you're doing i made a substitution brought off my captain after being two nil down after about 20 minutes i had a five year contract left that soon got booted out you know because you don't know what you're doing well I, i actually do know what i'm doing i think i've proved that since then but like life's a very funny thing. Football is is a roller coaster ride. You get all sorts of emotions. Speed it up like you'd never believe. So one minute you're great, the next minute you're tossed away.
0: Can we can we talk about the positives? Because you said about QPR and well, in the promotion season in particular, um, you said that you loved the the vibe and the atmosphere in the, in the club then, or in terms of your team. So that would have been like the promotion mm. season, what two thousand four. Um, but also. Conversely, you went on that show on the BBC, The Stress Test, I think it was called, and and you were incredibly, incredibly stressed, um, from what I understand.
2: Uh, How do these two things fit together? Every football manager is incredibly stressed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But what I found out in that programme was I was bringing it home. I thought I'd left it at work.
0: Right.
2: But I was becoming the result. So you don't think you are. But we are, and you do. And you take it out on your kids and whatever goes wrong there, you know? So I realized I was a problems causer, not a problem solver, because of that program. Mm. But, you know, so you you have to look at yourself. You have to see what you're doing. And do we always see ourselves in the right light? Probably not, you know? Um, I've learned more when it's gone wrong than I ever have when it went right.
1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: Right, before we get back to Kate and Ian, it's time for a bonus Betfair popular bet builder. Select from the most popular pre-made football bet builders using Betfair's Handy app and you can add them to your bet slip in just one tap. Usually, every Friday on the preview show, we build our own ramble popular bet builder for the biggest game happening that weekend. But seeing as England are back in action this week, we thought their game versus Italy on Thursday was a great chance to win some money for charity. All right, first up, Marcus has gone for Phil Foden to score or assist. Of course, Mason Mount being out, Marcus Rashford being out. Phil Foden's got a huge chance to impress. Marcus has picked him to score or assist. Jim has picked the following. Hello, it's Jim here, you lucky people. And for the latest Betfair bet builder, I'm going to go for Harry Kane to have two or more shots on target against Italy. I think this is going to be a bit of a barn burner. Uh, obviously, a lot of history there. Uh, so, yeah, Harry Kane to have two or more shots on target against Italy. All right, Harry Kane to have two or more shots on target seems reasonable to me. Uh, next up, we've got Andy. Hello all, Andy here. Looking forward to Italy versus England on Thursday, even though uh, every time Jules presents, it means England have a bit of a nightmare. I'm sure that will change here. I'm sure Gareth Southgate will incorporate that into his tactics. Keep it nice and tight. I'm going for under 1.5 first half goals between two teams who will really respect each other. Andy going for a cagey first half there. Understandable against Italy, I'm sure we can all agree. And my final pick of the four is for under 3.5 cards. I don't know why, but I feel like referees are showing fewer cards at the moment, particularly in these international games. So I've gone for under three and a half cards in total. So in summary, Phil Foden to score or assist, Harry Kane to have two or more shots on target, under one and a half first half goals and under three and a half cards, so three or fewer cards. A five-pound bet with Betfair on that popular bet builder returns 113 pounds and 31 pence. And if we win, all that money will go to Prostate Cancer UK. We'll be back with another round of Betfair's popular bet builder on the previous show this Friday. Exclusive to Betfair Sportsbook. T's and C's apply. 18 plus only. For more information on responsible gambling, head to begambleaware.org.
0: tell me more about QPR then. I mean of course you went back uh, to the club. So I'm interested first of all probably what your thoughts are on going back as a manager and second of all just generally about that season when you did go up and and what the what the vibe was like how how you found the the club.
2: Well, we the thing was we were probably the biggest club to go into administration at that time mm. ever. Um we went from being really famous, right? Um being in the top flight for an awful Lot of years to then almost going out of business completely, honestly, overnight. And then the administrators were trying to stop me spending anything. I ended up with seven players, two at nine, two out all that year, and I had seven left, no goalie. So I went and said, Oh, we need, oh, no, you just use what you got. (laughs) I said, We ain't got a goalie. What do you mean? Put him in goal. I said, He's an outfield player. What are you talking about? And all they were doing was looking at the finances of the club. So, you know, it was, we could have gone bust, but the, the fans obviously didn't want that. They stuck with the club like they always have. And, you know, I am so thankful that that we managed with a couple of years turnaround. It took three years, I think, to, to get out everybody that we had and then start again on much lesser wages and then get them back to getting promoted again the fav- my favourite thing that came out of it was there was muted rumours that we were going to go and join uh Wimbledon and be spliced in with Wimbledon and i said that that this is our cave we are not like cavemen. we are not leaving this part of london to go anywhere else we're going to dig in and they love that and it's true you you are it's tribal isn't it Do you get what i mean and that felt so much like my tribe it was unreal because jerry francis used to hammer us Bristolians every day talking about how great QPR was. I want you to be like them. I want you to be like this. I want you to do like that. And he truly loved that club. So for me to end up going back there a couple of times as manager is, is and how is it me? I don't get it. Look at the team I played in. We finished fifth in the Premier League, right? Top London club. How can I be their manager above some of those other lads who were international players? I don't get it. I'm taking it, but I don't get it. I don't understand why, Kate. Do you know what I mean? That's how it is. I, you know, and maybe it's something to do with my personality. You never know. I think it might. Be. Well, maybe it comes, like you've said, like we've
0: talked about in this whole conversation, you know, football comes down to relationships. Is there? Can you think of an example of a particular player who you've perhaps had to break down barriers with? I'd be interested to hear, I guess, your way of like really getting under the skin of somebody who perhaps you didn't necessarily see eye to eye with in the first place.
2: You know what? This could be so funny and I'm I'm not going to name names, but I have had situations that you will not believe. I had to pick one of my players up from his house because he couldn't find his keys, right? And he wouldn't tell me why he couldn't find his keys. So I went and picked him up. And then 10 minutes later, his wife screams down the phone at him. She's found them. They were in the toaster. And she nearly blew herself up. So he must have had too many drinks the night before. Came home, dropped his keys in the toaster, and he nearly blew his wife up. That's one. So I found found out that he was drinking too much. You know, I've had I've had someone drive off of my fall over right, literally fall over where they they were alcohol fueled up. So get in their car. I had to chase them. I got in my car and I chased him because I knew he'd been drinking, right? You wouldn't believe what I've had to do. That fellow went missing for three or four days and I thought he was dead,
0: mm.
2: right? And I couldn't force him to do stuff. You would not believe what happens, you know? I've had players who've lost their children and they don't want to play anymore and, they, and I don't blame them, you know? And I've had to try and show compassion and understood, understand, trying to tell the board that, yeah, we got to still pay him. You know, we've got to try and help him through this, you know. And and you would not believe what, what some people will do, you know. And and it's absolutely heartbreaking. And it's, yet again, still so wonderful that you can help them. And all you try and do is take that worry of, away from them and then let them go out and express themselves. Because if you've got things on your mind, how can you possibly play the best football? You can't. So as a manager, you have to try and facilitate that and you have to be so open that they will then come and tell you and share it with you because you can't help anyone unless they really ask you for help. And that's what I found out. And one of my teams still talks to each other, my Blackpool team, they have got a WhatsApp group. So we're wishing everybody happy birthday and everybody's putting on their, their, families. It's absolutely marvelous. And I, I talked to them years ago about what I wanted to create. Because in that club, there was pictures of all the famous people. I took them down and I put them in the boardroom Mm -hmm. and I put up my players. And I went, I want you to be famous. I want people to remember you. We cannot live in the 50s and the 60s. We've got to try and, so 40 years on, let's try and, and hopefully some Blackpool supporters will remember my team. Unfortunately, we didn't last too long. It wasn't going to last, but my goodness me, I watched a, one of our two of our games against Liverpool the other day. Mm-hmm. Can we play you every week, our fans <laughs> were sing because we beat them moment and away. Come on! <laughs> and I still remember one wise crack. We were two 0 up just before halftime, and we had our pure white kit on. Yeah, and one of the fellows shouted out, "Oi, get closer to him." It's Blackpool. It's not Real Madrid. <laughs> Super. <laughs> oh, you gotta laugh.
0: That is beautiful to hear. I can't believe it. I mean, although I feel like the number of WhatsApp groups I am in, you sometimes think you want, you do want to leave them. But this sounds like a group that anybody would want to be a part of. <laughs> and of course, that side, Ian, they were relegated with thirty-nine points, which uh, from the Premier League, which would have been enough mm. to stay up every single season since then, I believe. So what what do you make of the to speaking up today what do you make i mean not specific you don't you don't have to dwell on that and and I don't want to make you cry, but you know what do you make of the kind of competitive balance in the premier league and and how the way things are going in terms of our top division
2: um well truthfully i i i feel there's too big a divide i think some clubs are, are handling themselves absolutely magnificently um And they're owned by gamblers, professional gamblers. You can see that they've brought that statistical element into it and they're making their sales and their buys absolutely brilliant. And they've stuck with the same manager, which is always a good thing to do. So they're doing really well, Brentford and and Brighton. Um, But I'm not sure about countries being allowed to own football clubs. Um, I'm not sure that I trust... The money and where it's going and how it's going, and and you know, I would rather have someone in control of it all. Um, I think the EFL lost control when the Premier League split. we lost our biggest asset completely and utterly. Um, there's no other league like it in the world, mm. um, and we don't really have any power because we have to ask the owners if we want to change any of the rules, which doesn't make sense, you know, and and I've said it all along, you, you, you should not, there there needs to be discipline and there needs to be a fairness and it needs to be spread out and equally sorted out. And it's all too late. The horse is gone and we're trying to shut the stable door. Should have happened straight away. And what, no, you don't control that money. That money comes in and we take it like that and we do it like that. Right. You don't tell you, you tell them, You know, even if, put it this way, if the government suddenly went, hang on, it's all broken, we're going to take over this, Uh, we're going to take 20% off the Premier League money,
0: Mm.
2: 20%, we're going to move that over into the NHS. I'm going to pay all these people who are striking and wow, wouldn't that be beautiful? It does not make sense to me. It really doesn't, you know, honestly. Mm. And if I was sat up on those clouds like Zeus used to, apparently, and like, froze, hang on, we're gonna—I'd do that straight away. I'd put Simon Jordan in to control the top of football because he, honestly, and I'd say, right, let's sort this out. What we're we gonna do about that? Honestly, it'd be beautiful, wouldn't it?
0: I mean, I don't—I don't know if I want to picture Simon Jordan as
2: Zeus because I think they mainly wore not very much, but um, <laughs> he got the same barnet and he is barnet in it, honestly, and. There's no sense. When I got to the top of football, I gotta be honest. It was, it, it wasn't like it should be. Do you know what I mean? It's far too corporate. It's all this, it's all that. It's not that personal thing that that football clubs really meant all those years ago. You know, and those players are far too far away from the people that support them and really used to pay their money, mm. right? The and and what they're being cost to go to a big ground now. And and have a a meal, and you know they're still eating their dinner when the game started again. Dang! Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your grandfather, your great grandfather, going in and then going off down the pub, coming back, and the game's half started? It, they wouldn't dream of missing five minutes, would they? It don't make sense. No. But you know, things in life, I think, were made better years ago, and and I think football was an awful lot better years ago, personally. VAR don't help me either. I, I find it so infuriating. Um, all the angles we get from the, the, the telly and
0: we don't we want to be the only football podcast in Britain that doesn't talk about VAR for one single episode. So let's move on from yeah. that. I wanted I'm, to I'm
2: sorry I brought that up.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you about um Crystal Palace before we head off because as they are yeah. today, five points separating the bottom nine. So, you know. Yeah. Perhaps they'll be all right. They've obviously been promoted in the Premier League since 2013, as we mentioned. Are you worried about them this season? They're the f- Do you know they're the first team in recorded Premier League history to not have a single shot on target for three games running.
2: Oh yeah, well that's all the stats in it. I, I I didn't think they did that bad okay. against Man City. Yeah, honestly, I th- I thought that's a tough tough gig. They lost one nil,
0: and they got heritage of doing well against City as well.
2: They certainly have, and and you know at the end of the day. It's it's a little bit worrying for me because Wilf's so important for them, you know, and they're playing him up front. Um, and I, you know, I'm glad he's he's a wonderful young young footballer, wonderful young man. Um, and I'm so glad. It's just very tough. And obviously, where where Palace want to be, they spent 25 million on on the on the youth setup. On, the, on the, I don't know if you've been there. Oh my god, it's absolutely marvelous, wonderful. I think the first team are jealous that the kids have got it so good down the road. So, you know, they they really are trying to have a go. And, you know, all I can say is good luck to you. And and I think Steve and Dougie are doing a fantastic job. It was uh, a very good time in my life and unfortunately it didn't last long enough, you know. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad I had that experience. You know, the Blackpool fans didn't want me to leave and they probably didn't forgive me, but you know, at the end of the day. I want to go somewhere and try and build something. But, you know, that's so difficult for any manager these days. You know, you don't, you're don't, you not going to get a chance to sit there and like Gareth Ainsworth did at Wickham, you know. I said to him the other day, good luck with that, mate. But, you know, he probably didn't realise how good he had it there. But would, would I have been able to keep him up like Tony Pulis did? Probably not, because Tony played played that way he, he could block people off and then counterattack. and the, the team wanted to do that they didn't want to play that expansive way I wanted to try and do it and hit some long balls and, but listen I can't a uh, wonderful wonderful time of my life you know
0: what's been so lovely about talking to you Ian is it's clear that you um you've got such vigor for learning absolutely anything that is crosses your path talking about we've talked about uh learning to horse ride just so you could help mm. explain it to your to your daughter's but also talking about um, being adaptable and trying to learn learn your craft of management kind of on the job. Do you Reflecting on your time in the Premier League and, and heading back up there, do you feel like, I know you've said about Blackpool, you felt like you could have adapted more quickly. Do you feel like management, there's more for you to learn in that? And how do you feel about this, I guess, fairly small amount of time you spent in the Premier League with Palace in particular?
2: Yeah, that that, that is um, something that will always bug me. Uh, if I'd have kept Blackpool up, where would I be now? Um, one more point, Tottenham away. Not Man United. We were 2-1 up against Man United in the last game. Yeah. Uh, the game before that, we were 2-1 up with 94 minutes played. And then Jermaine Defoe belts one in, makes it 2-2. Like we'd have been up with that, you know. And then the fact that thirty nine points kept everybody else up ever since it's like <laughs> <laughs> But it is it is what it is, you know. For some reason it wasn't meant to be. Um and I remember sending Mick McCarthy a message when he kept Sunderland up after he took him up and said, Well done, mate, you've done it and he understood because I knew it was bugging him, mm. you know? And Neil Warnock's never kept anybody up you know, and that's bugs him. And maybe that's why you still go I, you know, at the end of the day, I, I didn't do that in my career and that hurts, you know, there's lots of other people now coming into the game. who have finished playing. We need their ideas. We need new ideas, you know, and if you've looked at the wonderful time I've had in my life and seen the managers that have come and gone and changed and, you know, some of the rivalries that, you know, um, Sir Alex against Arsene Wenger and, you know, um, Kenny and amongst all of that. It, it's been absolutely marvelous. And, you know, hopefully I'll live long enough to see some of these young lads bringing their ideas in. And, you know, I want to see new ideas. I want to see a nut, a new pet, somebody else doing something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, wow. Wouldn't it be great. And it, what's going to come next? It's a bit like fashion. I've kept holding me, uh, Boot cut jeans because I love them. uh-huh you know and they'll, they'll come back in. yeah, yeah, the yeah minute I've got skin tight <laughs> ones they'll come back in and when they do I've already got them you know that's life
0: innit? it. <laughs> so it sounds like you feel, so so it sounds like you feel as though you're you, you, your day comes back around in football, right is that is that what you're saying what's what's next for, for you Ian? is it is it painting the pictures, looking after the kids? Is that where you are that's what you're happiest doing or do you still see a place for you within football apart from some of the great planetary and, and chats that you do?
2: um i'd love it i'd love another job i'd love another go i've got 12 games to get to the 1000 club and it's something that i always want to do you know to stand the the test of time and i'm 12 games short hmm. as my wife wonderfully says oh it's only a number why why do you need another 12 well it would have been nice to been get a little plaque and be in the 1000 games manager club but it is what it is so we'll have to wait and see. Never count me out. You never know. Honestly, you know, and w- w- what is out there, I've had an absolutely marvellous life, jam-packed full of wonderful things, amazing things. I've met some wonderful people because of the media as well, which is unbelievable. You know, some of the people I've met, for me, is, is people. Yeah. I am a people person, and and COVID was absolutely horrific for me. You could not have written a worse illness and those people we lost in that who were on their own couldn't have their family around it was absolutely heartbreaking for them you know so i want to put a massive hands out to everybody who lost someone and i feel for you because that ain't how anybody who was a human being should have left this wonderful planet is it mm. so um i don't want that to happen to me i want all my lovely people that i love most around me and i want you all to spend every single second you can with the people you love the most. Because that's surely what it's all about.
0: Too right. Thank you, Ian. This has been such a good chat and I think your uh, your empathy and, and your qualities have really shone through. So thanks for sharing them with us. Fascinating to hear about his willingness to learn and his curiosity and just love for the people that make up football and his life generally, wasn't it? Uh yeah, it that conversation, as with all of the best storytellers, it went in directions I didn't necessarily expect, but I hope you really, really enjoyed it and and also found it tiny bit inspiring the way he talked about failure and setbacks being part of the process and something that led to the career that he's had, even if it is still twelve games short of that magic a thousand number. But tell us, what do you reckon? You can always find us on Twitter at Football Ramble and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at KVL Mason. We'll be back for a new episode very soon and I'll talk to you then. Take care of yourselves. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.